Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Nico Franks. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. With the first ever virtual edition of Cartoon Forum running this week, today's podcast is an animation special. We'll hear from three producers who are pitching projects at Cartoon Forum about how the pandemic is throwing up a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the global animation industry to change for the better. Coming up in this episode, Gronya McGuinness, creative director at Paper Owl Films in the UK, Lindsay Adams, founder of Daily Madness Productions in Ireland, and Rene Holder, animation producer at Trinidad and Estonia-based Far Creative, will discuss whether the pandemic could boost efforts to make the industry more representative or prevent new talent from getting noticed. There's been hardly any let-up when it comes to animation production during the pandemic, with the industry shifting from working in studios to animating from home. As a result, many animation producers have been saying they've been busier than ever. This week, C21 would usually be in Toulouse in France, attending Cartoon Forum, the annual pitching event dedicated to new animation projects from around Europe, where hits such as Peppa Pig have been discovered in previous years. Having held out hope that the event could take place in physical form until just a few weeks ago, the Cartoon Forum organisers admitted defeat. For the first time in its 30-plus year history, the event will take place virtually this week, with producers pre-recording their pitches and potential buyers and co-production partners watching them from the comfort of their own homes. I caught up with Gronya McGuinness, creative director at Paper Owl Films, the Belfast-based producer behind CBB's hit Pablo, which follows a little boy with autism. Like many other animation studios, Paper Owl has been operating remotely since the pandemic hit, and while this has had its benefits, Gronje says the industry needs to be aware of the difficulties new talent will face if this new way of working becomes the norm. Gronje began by telling me about how the company has adapted since March. There have been big challenges in terms of how do we work remotely, happily, how do we render things, how do we just the physical business of production. And I think we've all managed to crack that one and change the way we work. I think actually this period of quarantine has given us all a lot of opportunity to think about how we do things and to see things differently and do things differently. We're all much more focused on how to bring our best value to our work. Okay, because that's all we have to focus on. We don't have to focus on how we're going to get somewhere, what we're going to wear, do we need to wash our hair? <laughs> Anything like that. It's just like, right, get up, focus on the work, that's value. We're all able to work at times and in ways that suit us all individually. So that's great for creative people because not all creative people are the same. And nine to the five in a studio doesn't suit everybody. But then there are people then that really value that studio experience and really need to be around other people and bounce ideas off each other and all of that. Right now, what we can see is that probably it will be a mix. It's not about managing people nine to five with an hour for lunch. It's about there are actually ways that we can do this. And the whole way that we pitch and all of that, you know, you're not getting on a plane to go to New York and pitch something because it is now quite acceptable to have meetings by Zoom. But then there's also how do we get work? I don't know. I don't know what the effect of this is going to be on broadcaster budgets in the long term. And we have to be prepared for 
stormy waters ahead, I think. The third point that I would make is about training opportunities and new people coming up and fresh talent. Now we are running a training course and we're running it remotely and we'll see how that works. But are there people then within that that fall through the cracks because you're not in the room with them? And do they miss the, the, all the learning that you absorb by osmosis by being in the middle of a great team with talented people working really hard and seeing how people work and what's important? And it's just, it's for those new entrants coming in. It's like, how do we create really rich training experiences for them? And how do they network? We're lucky, Nico. We have friends in the industry and we can, we've made those friends by going to markets and having dinner and all the things that's all the crack that you have with people. And those relationships are very important. Opportunities for, for new talent, younger talent to make relationships is I think something that we'll need to address as an industry too. The biggest challenge that I have, and I can only speak for myself, is coming out of lockdown, there's going to be a new generation of kids that are facing into a brand new world because six months in their life is huge. So it's going back into schools, schools that have different rules about touching and hygiene and how do we create content that those children are going to need? Because there's going to be an awful lot more social anxiety around. What is the content that those kids are going to need? Because their mindset will have shifted. And how do we get that content to them quickly? Because the best way to do it is to create animated content. And obviously that takes a long time. It's kind of at the heart of what we always want to be doing anyway. And now I'm really excited because the market for all that type of content is, you know, it's what the market is actively seeking. It's what children on a huge scale actually need. And then our big project in lockdown is a beautiful film called Soul, which is funded by the Young Audiences Content Fund and produced in the nations and regions with the Indigenous languages of the UK, Irish, Scots, Gaelic and Welsh. And that's a special film about a little boy whose grandmother dies. And it's about his journey back from that so that he can feel the feelings of love for his grandmother again as greater than the feelings of loss. And that's his journey. He's on a quest to find the light in the world again. And that is, that's not as sad as it sounds. It's just really beautiful. And there's a lot of fun in it. And that is scheduled to go out in December in the winter solstice. In 2020, we've had a lot of dark messages, but actually the, the world is full of light if you focus on that. But at the minute, it's TG Cahar in uh, Northern Ireland, S4C in Wales and BBC Alba, but we're trying to make something exciting happen. So I'll watch the space for that. And you mentioned earlier about broadcasters potentially having to yeah, reassess their budgets in line with the advertising market taking a big hit. On the other hand, we've also seen streaming obviously take a big jump in lockdown with record signups and viewing figures and things like that. So how are you seeing the the streaming services impact the animation industry? Because they were already having a really big impact. Are you starting to see them have a, an even bigger impact now? Definitely. But I also see the huge need that we have for public service broadcasting content. If we did not have our public service broadcasters leading the charge in creating really positive educational material for kids, emotionally relevant 
meaningful content experiences for kids. I don't want to live in that world. The commercial side of that is also necessary and it's like any market at any time. It is always shifting and changing. And what we have to do as a company is be positive and creative about how we put together the opportunities in that market and minimize the risks. Long live public service broadcasting. And may we all find a way to work together with the streamers to make sure that not only, um, like if we want to create content that has meaningful takeaways for children then it has to get to the largest possible audience and be of the highest quality working together to do that is going to just make it better and putting those deals together that's probably not my area of expertise at all I just like making wee stories up I suppose that's the the crux isn't it because obviously a lot of these streaming services want their own exclusive content even though we're seeing a lot of content travel from one to the other like I think Pablo, you know, started off on CBBS and RTE, but is available on Netflix in lots of territories around the world. Yeah, so I, I like that partnership. I think that's great, you know, because that means, you know, Netflix coming in really helped us get that closed financially and uh, made it happen. But it was also public, you know, it also served an audience that without the public service broadcaster drive to, to serve a minority audience or a diverse audience, we wouldn't have got it made at the time. Now it's maybe different because, you know, everybody is really seeking to reflect diversity and that's great. But at the time we wouldn't have got it without the two together. So we needed the public service broadcaster and we needed the streamer. If the streamers are creating more opportunities, that's brilliant. But let's not forget about our Indigenous public service broadcasters that have been really honing the expertise and serving audiences meaningfully for all of this time. We need those two. And finally, tell me a bit about the project you're going to be pitching at Carting Forum. Mr. Dog is an underdog, wonder dog. He's a homeless mongrel who goes around, travels around, helping animals in trouble. And uh, this, the concept is based on a series of books by Ben Fogel, um, who has a lot of Mr. Dog in him because he's a traveller and an adventurer and likes to help all aspects of nature that might be in trouble. So it's 5211s. It's for four to eight year olds. I think with all the people that have been acquiring dogs and interests in dogs, it's just a great time to have a dog show. I think audiences will love Mr. Dog. He's all about the nose. He's got a nose for food and trouble and he constantly needs a pee so uh, audiences are going to love it from that point of view but then also he really does help us to appreciate the planet and how we can help animals as well and Ben is going to do a little button in each episode which is you too so how can you bring out the Mr Dog in you so he's going to show us how we can help bunnies or bees or whatever it is in each episode. Ronya McGuinness. Over in Dublin in Ireland, 2D animation studio Daily Madness has been animating from home as it looks to tell stories that matter and promote women on screen and behind the scenes. Lindsay Adams is the founder and producer at Daily Madness and we began by talking about the process of pitching at this year's virtual cartoon forum. Yeah, so obviously we're very disappointed that we're not able to come in person to the event, but we're delighted that they've managed to do a virtual version of it. We recorded the pitch on Monday, just gone, and we did it very much in the style of 
forum to the best of our degree um, where we sat and talked to camera and we just pitched it to an invisible audience as if we were talking to a room full of people. And what was your experience of Cartoon Forum before this? I've been a couple of times. So we came last year to pitch our first project, which was called Pins and Netty. Um, that was the first time we pitched and it was obviously a little bit nerve wracking, but it was incredibly useful and such a lovely experience to see how supportive everybody is in that room and how much they want you to get your show made, which was lovely. And I have been a couple of times before just to see what other people have been up to. And I just, it's the most unique event out there in order to just see real world examples of what every other European studio is working on and developing and, and going to, to pop on TV soon. So it's brilliant. Yeah, we're a big fan of Forum. And I suppose one of the silver linings to doing it all virtually is that you potentially will be able to see a lot more pictures and buyers will be able to see a lot more pictures. Is that what you're hopeful might happen? Yeah, I do hope so. We always have that fear of missing out because the three pitches happen together. You can only choose one of the three. I love the fact that we'll be able to see every single pitch. It definitely takes the pressure off that fear that you're, you're missing on an opportunity to, to meet a particular co-producer or a different, different show that you just need to be aware of. And so tell me a bit about the show you pitched at Cartoon Forum. Goat Girl is the story of Gigi, a 13-year-old girl who was raised by goats. And now that she's in her teenage years, her nanny and Billy, which is mum and dad in goat speak, have decided to send her to a human boarding school so she can learn a little bit more about her heritage and her culture. And that's the story that we're following. We really wanted to do a very comedy-led, almost slapstick television show that had a strong female lead in there. And we really love this series so much. We just think that there's there's going to be a lot of fun in it. There are still areas in the animation industry where it is very male dominated and we'd wanted to give a voice to female creators and provide an environment where women can feel that they can thrive and they can grow with their, their career. So for Goat Girl in particular, it is a TV series that was created by women by Shannon George and Christina Yee, who will be taking on the roles of showrunner and head writer once the series goes into production. And um, we've also hired a female director for the series, Crystal Gorgio. And we just have this a real uh, relationship with potential co-producers who are from female founded studios who just have gravitated towards the series as something that they want to be involved in because they just feel like it's an incredibly important message. So, I mean, Goat Girl is just one example. It is something that we do across all of our TV shows in the, the studio as well, just to make sure that women are in leadership roles and that we are actively looking to option and commission and develop TV shows with female leads behind the scenes. The pandemic hasn't stopped animation in its tracks, but is there a worry that new talent might find it hard to get noticed and get that foot in the door as a result of studios not necessarily either not being open or not having as many animators in the room? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Even if it's not true, that must be a fear for all the graduates at the moment who are coming out of college. Because I've been aware of that, I've kind of gone to additional lengths to make sure that we're giving people an opportunity to work on the shows that we have and give them their first credit even though it's it's short contracts we've done a couple of first credits this year quite quickly that where we just give somebody a shot to do it from home but i do find it incredibly hard because you can't shadow as easily obviously and they don't get to to have the studio experience which i think is the the really important part of 
of coming into the industry for the first time. And so even I'm trying to develop a way to make sure that we're, we're providing as much support as we can for those, those new graduates and those new talent. Obviously, we don't know where we are. We're, hope, we're all working remotely until June 2021. And hopefully we get to be in a studio space again till then and we can we can find ways around it in the in the short term but if it becomes a long term I do worry a little bit that new talent's going to miss out on something. Ireland is just an incredibly supportive animation industry all the studios very much do rally together and they do support and they do make sure that we're all right no one wants to see anyone else struggle which I just adore because I've only been here eight years and I've think it's just the essence of the animation industry over here is is that supportive and that positive can do attitude no matter what the world kind of throws at you sort of thing such as a pandemic such as a pandemic lindsay adams far creative is an animation content company that has been based in the caribbean for the past seven years a few years ago, it tapped into Estonia's e-residency program, which allows non-Estonians access to Estonian services such as company formation and, as a result, it gave Far Creative the opportunity to enter Cartoon Forum as a European company. At Cartoon Forum, René Holder will be pitching How's At, a show about a lowly cricket team's journey to the Cricket World Cup, and he told me about the pros and cons of not being able to attend an event in person. First though, René began by telling me about his background and, following on from a conversation he'd had with C21 recently for our Insider's Guide to Animation special, which is still available to read on the C21 website, he told me what he thought of the animation industry's response to the Black Lives Matter movement. My mom is mixed with Chinese and Venezuelan, which is Spanish, and my dad is Black and Indian, which is Dugla, which makes me a very interesting mix of a lot of cultures, which, I mean, to some extent in Trinidad, that's just me just being a red man. I mean, I, I grew up being exposed to Black festivals or African festivals and Diwali and Eid al-Fatir and all of these things. So I, I know that my experience and my, my worldview may not be as binary, as simple as the Black experience, the white experience, the X experience, because I've kind of known so much, but it does not preclude me from being aware of everything that's happening ar around me and being a part of these communities, even though sometimes, you know, it's it kind of like, I'm a part of the community, but I'm also not a part of the community because I don't share their exact experiences. But I, I have seen a greater movement towards uh, creating communities of our own where, I mean, uh, I think uh, there was this group of guys, uh, they're called Black and Animated in the, the US. And, you know, they would have started their own Discord. And I think uh, with the Discord channel and actually coalescing Black creators, Black animators, Black writers, Black artists, all from Twitter and around the world to kind of be and share on this platform and this community. I think it's one of those things where once the community is around and once the audience keeps demanding uh, authentic stories and uh, creators of color to be part of the experience in creating these stories as well and telling these honest stories. Because, I mean, as, you know, as, a, as, a, as a Black person myself, I mean, you kind of 
you know what's authentic and what's inauthentic. And you know when it comes from a real perspective as opposed to someone just putting a black character in <laughs> an animated show. I mean, there's little nuances and things that, that would happen or uh, little things that they do that, I mean, the, the, you, you have to have lived that experience to know what that is. So until we're actually at a space where, where, where we can create those kind of authentic stories, I mean, I, I think that's when like real change will actually happen. I think there's a lot of nice, good talk and allyship that's happening. And people want what's best, but the truth is like, on, until there's more black executives and, and more people in, more black and, and, and indigenous and, and people of color within spaces to actually make changes and to actually make decisions and actually have the power to actually see those decisions true, then we aren't really going to have any kind of sustainable change. And I mean, hopefully that, that might change within the next uh, year. And I'm glad the conversation is happening now. But yeah, I mean, only, only time we'll be able to tell if this is just a kind of flash in the pan and people are like up in arms because of everything that's happening or if it's something that will actually be a set of sustainable change. So would you say representation is the biggest issue facing the animation industry? I mean, I, I think it is. I mean, I think it's also a situation of also access and opportunity. I mean, definitely that, that's one of the biggest things. I mean, in spite of or due to COVID, there's been a sort of reckoning or flattening of the industry to some extent. Normally when you have big industry events, you actually have to physically go there and you have to spend money to attend and you have to spend money to stay in a hotel and and be in that space and while those things are great because a lot of industry events have been forced to kind of hybridize and be online and be digital i mean i don't have numbers but i am sure the attendance for these events far outweigh what would have been a actual in-person event happening so you just have a lot more people that are attending and you kind of allow for more diverse voices to actually be a part of these industry and be a part of these events. Hopefully if, if this hybridization model can continue moving forward, it, it creates more opportunity for more voices to be heard as opposed to the same 20 people <laughs> or 100 people attending the, the event year in, year out. My plan is to, you know, attend Cartoon Forum and then attend, attend Ottawa Animation Festival. And then I think like two weeks after is MIP. Let's be honest, I wouldn't be able to go all, all three events, but I can through the fact that, you know, they're, they're, they're all digital events now. So it, it creates this, this opportunity to be able to attend all these events and make all these networks and to be able to access all of these things where it would have been, you know, more difficult to attend if I had to actually go in person. I think now more than ever, there is no shortage of opportunities that exist with content and content and for content creators now. I believe now that people are, people are now catching up to the idea that animation can be more nuanced in its storytelling. And you can have serialized storytelling, especially for kids, as opposed to just being these episodic things. I mean, you have a new generation of kids being introduced to Avatar on Netflix. And then you have all of these shows like Steven Universe and Craig of the Creek. And I think HBO Max has uh, Infinity Train. The medium is animation, but it tells these very complex, nuanced stories. Because it, it's on these different platforms and on these different networks, it allows to kind of breathe. <laughs> 
due to COVID, I think there's even a lot more interest in animation as well, because I mean, it's, I think it's one of the only industries that's really continued plowing ahead, regardless of not being able to shoot live action and, and all these other things. I, I don't think that's going unnoticed with a lot of buyers. So I, I think there, there might be even a more uptick in, in animation production moving forward because of the fact that, you know, it, it has a longer lifespan or it could have a longer lifespan than, than traditional media or traditional uh, live action TV shows. But also the production cycle, you know, might be longer, but at the same time, it, it still can continue on through, during these kinds of situations. This was our first uh, time uh, getting into the pitch at Cotton Forum, so we were definitely excited about it and um, attending. I mean, despite all of the <laughs> current worldwide issues, I mean, we were really pushing to, to, to get through it. Because I'm primarily based in Trinidad right now, we actually had to get like a whole exemption to leave the country and all these other things, and we actually got it. But so I'm kind of glad that Cotton Forum kind of switched across to this new model because it kind of saves us a lot of trouble and potentially a lot of issues that may have may have happened if we if we were travel so i'm really appreciative of of them of doing that and changing that model it's been a good experience so far we've had access to a couple of good people and they've been kind of helpful in helping us uh, hone our pitch and getting it ready for for the event because i'm co-writing it with uh, another friend of mine who isn't actually <laughs> based here as well he's uh he's based on another island because of co-writing it as well it's it's kind of a, a fun dynamic because we kind of had to do our pitch again through zoom <laughs> which we're kind of doing right now and kind of record it virtually so I, I do think the, the opportunity to kind of be a little more relaxed, I guess, because we're kind of just doing it for ourselves and ripping, ripping off of it and stuff, like having to actually face people, <laughs> face these people and, and be like, oh, this is what we're doing and this is what we're talking about. So it does take away that element, although I do wish we had the opportunity, because nothing, nothing can replace that, that in-person face-to-face of a situation and people can actually get to know you and there's always opportunity for after the pitch to have further discussions. So I'm sure that element is going to be be missed, but this is a kind of a situation where you kind of have to get used to it and kind of have to let get it to be that new norm <laughs> and see how it can work in your favor and kind of use the I guess the extra time that you have to kind of really help to find, fine tune and, and hone the pitch to where you want it to be and as perfect as it can be. Although it does take away that little bit of a spontaneity that, that does happen sometimes. Rene Holder. That's all for today's episode. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and on social media. Thanks for listening.